Well, we're kicking off a new series today called Voices, and what we're going to be talking about in this series are the types of voices that we let speak into our life, the types of people that we let speak into our lives, because today, I think more than any point in history, we have so many voices speaking at us. We have access to, to more voices than ever in history. Um, not only do we have the people around us, you got parents um, and teachers, uh, you got friends. Uh, we get to hear every now political speech, uh, but we can get online and we can watch the opinions of any dozens and dozens of people on YouTube, and we can read uh, any number of blogs or anything like that. And and the reason I want to talk about this is because we got to be careful who we let speak into our life. Because I don't know if you know this, just because somebody writes a, comp- a compelling blog article does not mean that they went through any sort of, uh, have any sort of credentials to talk about whatever it is they're talking about. Okay, Just because you read some, something about health online on somebody's blog doesn't make them a doctor. Okay? Just because you read a, a recipe off of Pinterest, that doesn't make that person a chef. Uh, I joke with Abby. I mean, I, she can, she's a good cook, but every time she picks something off Pinterest, I'm like, oh, man, uh, have, do we have to have a Pinterest recipe this week? Because she has zero skill at picking good Pinterest recipes. <laughs> and I don't think that is any indication of how good she is at cooking stuff. I just think, uh, for whatever reason, she just can't pick them off of Pinterest. But, but we've got to understand that the people that we let speak into our lives, there's a huge impact that those people have on who we are, on the way we think, and the way that we live. And so the voices that, we, that are speaking into our life, we've got to be very, very careful. And you might you know, think, okay, well, Anthony, I'm an independent thinking person. I don't just do what everybody tells me to do. I don't just think what everybody else tells me to think. So what is this a big deal? I don't, I don't need to worry about the people. I can kind of take care of this stuff, okay? Well, that's, that's kind of fine. And I think of myself that way too. Like I, I feel like I'm pretty resistant to the influence of other people if I you know, keep my guard up a little bit. But this principle is the reason why red states tend to be mostly red and blue states tend to be mostly blue. Because you kind of just turn out like the people that you are around because of the voices and the influences that are speaking into your life. You know, it's not that, you know, I'm like, oh, you know what? Let's see, I'm gonna, I gotta get a, I gotta move. I'm really itching to move. Let's see, I get up the map of politics and find a red state and move to the red state. That's not how people locate themselves. It's not like, all oh, the red state people to Georgia. Like, that's not how it works, okay? We don't move where people agree with us politically most of the time. It's usually jobs or other factors. So most of the time, we are influenced by what is around us and by the people that are speaking into our lives. Now, for some of you I know, maybe it's not red state, blue state. That's not the color issue for you. For you, it's the color of the tractor in your field. A few of you, right? And I don't mean to start any fistfights. Harvest is mostly over. Let's not get into it too much. But some of you I know, for you, it's got to be a red tractor. Red. It's, everything in your field's got to be red or it ain't worth it. Some of you, it's green or die. Okay? And that's just how you are. Now let me ask you a little bit of a, a, a hypothetical here. How did you get to be a green tractor person? Or a red tractor person? Was it because, and I'm, I'm guessing it's not this by the way, but was it because you bought one of each color tractor, you lined them up in your field, and you did a side-by-side test, lining them up against each other on a hundred different points, and then you picked the best one? I'm guessing that's not it. Probably you inherited the tractor color from the family and friends you grew up around. 
Probably. Maybe not. Maybe you were the, the black sheep of your green tractor family and you drive a red now and you can't even look dad in the eye. I don't know what it is. But, but you understand, most of the reasons we are the way we are is because of the people and the voices that have been speaking into our lives consistently for years and years and years. And believe it or not, as resistant as you think you are to this, there is an entire industry of people who are trying to convince you that you need certain things. They're trying to convince you of a certain way of thinking. It's called advertising. And we are getting advertised to constantly. I'm getting advertised to right now by looking at the logos on some of your shirts. Okay? I got a Cubs logo. You know, I see that little guy riding a horse. You know, we get influenced all the time by this stuff. And some of you, you drive a Ford or a Chevy or a Dodge because that's what dad had and that's what the commercials say is best. And no one's ever going to convince you otherwise. It just doesn't matter. And so some of us, it's, you know, like I said, tractor color, red and blue state. Some of us, it's Ford, Chevy, Dodge. Some of us, it's Mac and PC. I thought, you know, one time Ben, and Ber- ben Berger and I were going to have a knockdown drag out on Mac or PC, but you know what? I'll side with him no matter what he says on that. I'm no dummy, okay? That boy's a big, big guy. Um, okay? And so, but, but some of us, we've got to be aware. Some of us have to know the power of words, the power of the voices of the people that we let speak into our lives. And, and anybody who has, was ever made fun of in junior high and high school understand the power of others' voices, the ones we let speak to us. Whether, whatever that mean kid called you, you could probably still tell me his name. You could tell me their name. I, I know a couple of those kids. I looked them up a few years ago, and, and I remember thinking, oh, the things they said to me and the things they, oh, man, it just still kind of stinks to this day, even though, you know, that was most of my life ago. And you get online, and this isn't, by the way, this is not a godly characteristic that I'm getting ready to admit to you, okay? But you look up online. I was just looking at one of the kids, and, um, I saw that he was in jail, and there's a little part of me that was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I should pray and repent for that little feeling, but still there's that part of me that was like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's what you get for being a bully when I was little, but, and some of us, it's, not, it's, it's a bigger voice that speaks into your life than the bully on the playground. For some of you, it was a mom or a dad who spent day after day of your childhood telling you you were not good enough. In some way, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, is your bro- you're not smart like your brother, you're not attractive enough like your sister, you're, you're not talented enough, you'll never amount to anything. And some of you, you heard that so much on repeat for your entire childhood that you have grown up and it's years later and you still kind of measure yourself by their yardstick. And you're still using that yardstick and you still as an adult feel that you don't measure up because of that voice that spoke that into you for years and years and years and it still hangs on to your life. And so even now we've got to understand and take note of the power of the voices of the people that we allow to speak into our lives. And so that's what this series is going to be about. And so if I can do anything in this series, anything at all over the next four weeks, I want to get you to understand that you need to choose carefully to whom you listen. You need to choose carefully to whom you listen. You cannot listen to everyone. And just because somebody loves you does not make their voices true. Just because somebody is in your life every day, that does not make their words true. It does not make their words smart or wise. Just because somebody calls you their friend, that does not mean that they are somebody that you need to listen to. It doesn't mean they're going to lead you in a good place with your life. So who you listen to, it will significantly shape who you are, how you think, and how you live. 
And so we're going to talk about that, who we listen to throughout this entire series and how we've got to carefully, carefully select who we listen to. And I do think we can choose, okay? You can't choose the people who are speaking to you all the time. I mean, you're going to be doing life around the people that you're doing life around, but you can choose whether or not to give their words weight to you and in your life. So, uh, after saying all that stuff about negative voices, I do want to make very clear, there are good voices, very good voices. Some of you, hopefully the majority of you, you didn't have a parent that was digging you down and burying you down every single day of your life. There are good people, godly voices that will push you closer and closer to your Heavenly Father. There are, are voices of people who will encourage you to be better than you are, voices of people who will encourage you to make the most of this new life you have in Christ. And we need to orient our thinking so that we listen to those people not the voices that lead us farther and farther away from our God. And so we got to choose wisely. Now, there are numerous examples in Scripture of good voices and bad voices. I can't cover them all, so we're only going to do four. Two of them are good, and two of them are bad examples of voices. And today, spoiler alert, is a bad example day. So if you want to go ahead and grab a Bible, we'll be in the book of First Chronicles. First Chronicles. Make sure you get first, not second, or you will, it will make no sense to you. If you uh, didn't bring a Bible, if you got a phone, you got an app on that, feel free to use uh, the app as long as you're not playing a game. Um, that'd be good. And then uh, if you want to watch on screen, that's fine. If you don't own a Bible, that black one near you, you can take that home. That'll be our gift to you. First Chronicles will be in chapter 19. Chapter 19. And Given modern technology, I just want to let you know, um, this is one of those things that preachers do on the side now that we have modern technology. Every time there comes to those Bible names and you always think, I'm so glad I don't have to stand on stage at church and read those Bible names because I have no idea how to pronounce them. Uh, my Bible app has a free audio Bible. So before I get up and speak and I got a couple of weird names in there, I just listen to that guy read them and I'm going to say it just like that guy does. Whether right or wrong, at least I got something to lean on. So if you ever got to read in front of your uh, growth group or something, I'm telling you, those audio Bibles, they're free and they come with a lot of the Bible apps today. So take advantage of that. First Chronicles 19, we'll start in verse 1. It says, In the course of time, Nahash king of the Ammonites, died. Now, uh, the story that we are in is the story of David as the ruler of Israel. And just across the Jordan River, there's another nation called Ammon. And the king of Ammon had died, okay? And it says, and his son succeeded him as king, because that's how all the nations worked in that day. David thought, I will show kindness to Hanan, son of Nahash, because his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanan concerning his father. And so we get that David here is just trying to do something nice. He sees this neighboring nation, the dad, the king died, the son became the new king, and he says he lost his father, this nation lost their king. I'll send some people, a delegation in, and just to say, hey, we're so sorry, we express our sympathies, and just to do a kind, nice, diplomatic gesture. But the story goes on. When David's envoys came to Hanan in the land of the Ammonites to express sympathy to him, the Ammonite commanders, or depending on your translation, it might say princes or nobles. Basically, you can think of these guys as uh, they were powerful enough to be uh, advisors for the king. The Ammonite commanders said to Hanan, Do you think David is honoring your father by sending envoys to you to express sympathy? Haven't his envoys come to you only to explore and spy out the country and overthrow it? So Hanan seized David's envoys, 
shaved them, cut off their garments at the buttocks, yes, at the buttocks, and sent them away. When someone came and told David about the men, he sent messengers to meet them, for they were greatly humiliated, meaning they wouldn't even go home because they were so embarrassed. And the king, David, said, stay at Jericho until your beards have grown and then come back. Uh, we learn from another version of the story, and I believe Second Samuel, was that they only shaved half of their beards. They didn't shave their full beard, which, not a good look if you've gone, gone the half beard route. Now, here's what's going on in the story. David tries to do something nice, but the people that are whispering in Hanan's ear, they are seeing the entire world through a layer of suspicion. They can't see something that's good and right and honest and somebody just doing a kind gesture. They look and they see everything is trouble. Everything is a potential problem. Everything has, nothing can just be good. They can't just let something be okay. And so they see a problem, they see something that's dangerous, they see a trick, and the people are, are like that are just looking for trouble. And there are people like that just always see a problem. No matter where they look, they see trouble. They can't see a kind gesture. They, they overthink every comment that somebody says, looking for an insult, looking for a dig, looking for some sideways sarcasm with which they can be offended. And sometimes we have those kinds of people in our lives. Those people who, no matter where they look, everything is some kind of a problem. People who see everything through a negative light, and they will always find something to be upset about, some way to feel the victim of, of uh, somebody saying something. They will be able to turn everything into kind of a mess. And so the first warning of this series I want to give you when it comes to who should you listen to is beware the voice of those who always see a problem in every situation. Beware the voices of those people who always see a problem in every situation. Um, another word for these people in our modern language is dramatic. I was kind of the best word I could think of when you think of people who always see a problem. They're just drama-loving, drama-saturated people. Everything is a mess Everything is a problem, and they are always upset about something, and they're always just kind of stirring up trouble, even when there's nothing really to stir up. And these dramatic people, I don't know why they're always dramatic, but they always see the mess that isn't there. And if you let them be a guiding voice in your life, they'll make your life a mess too. They'll speak into your ears, and they will convince you to start seeing messes where there are no messes. And you might start to think, again, Anthony, I'm a smart, intelligent person. I can think for myself. I can accurately judge where the problems are in my life. Even if somebody's trying to cause trouble, I'm sure that I can, can see that and, and work against that, okay? I would like to think that that is true of me, but I know that it's not. I know that I'm not impervious to being susceptible to the, the leanings and the sway of other people. Uh, just before the service, I was talking with a uh, high school student who was talking about how in school uh, they get to vote. It's a mock vote, you know, because they're not old enough yet, most of them, but it's a mock vote. And she was worried about who to vote for because on one hand you, you want to vote your conscience, but then you hear what your friend, who your friends are voting for and you kind of get all nervous. Oh, I gotta, maybe I need to do what they do. We can't underestimate the power of peer pressure. And I don't care how old you get, there is still some level of peer pressure that we feel in life. There's pressure from all kinds of different sources. And so don't think that you are not susceptible to these things. Now, one thing that I think is so smart, it stuck out to me immediately as I was reading this passage. Um, you have Hanan the king, and he's, here come these dip 
diplomats from Israel, and they're here, we're here, we're so sorry. And these guys lean in to tell him that there's trouble. But notice, they don't just straight up tell him, hey, these guys are spies. What do they say? They say, do you really think? Do you really think these people are spies? Or don't you think maybe that they're here instead to cause some trouble? Like, don't you think that these are these guys, do you really think they're diplomats, or do you really think that they're spies here to cause trouble? And they, they don't tell him, they just kind of plant the little seed, and they let him come to the conclusion himself, which is genius, okay? That is like a super smart way to influence somebody. I dated a girl once, and her dad was the kind of person who hated any idea that wasn't his idea. Um, I've learned as a dad, that's kind of just a dad thing, I think, you know. Hey, dad, can we get this? No. You know, I say no to everything that my kids say. Well, so she learned that unless it was her dad's idea, he didn't go for it. And so if she, like, went to her dad and said, hey, dad, I think we should get a new TV, he would say, no, it's too expensive. And so what she got to learn to do, she would sit there at home and she'd start to say things like, man, why isn't the TV working? It may, this remote is junk, and the TV, it just, why is it, I wish it worked better, I wish it worked more often, and then a couple days later, she'd come home after being at a friend's house, and she'd say, Kelly's dad just bought this awesome new TV, and you would not believe what all it does, and that, that kind of like starts into like, to poke up our little keeping up with the Joneses, and I can't let my friend, my daughter's friend's dad be a cooler dad than me as a dad, and so, you know, and so she'd start planting little seeds like that, and lo and behold, within a month, he'd come home with a new TV and surround sound speakers. And she would say, and she'd always tell me, like it was a, it was a thought out plan. She's like, I think I'm going to get my dad to buy a new TV. And I was just like, uh-huh, okay. And then he'd come home with a new TV, and he would think it was totally his idea. And I was like, this girl is good. And then you think, is she doing that to me? Like, you know, you get a little nervous. You know how that works? Am I? Like, it was... It was, okay, if you've ever seen Inception, it was like that, only without all the trouble of trying to keep up with the complicated plot. It was just a thing to watch, okay? And that's kind of what these guys do. They kind of Inception Hanan. They don't take responsibility for it. They let him come to the conclusion. They, they guide him and direct him. And so what I want to say about that is Hanan had no idea that he was being influenced, I don't think. They were just guys speaking to him, and they just kind of raised the suspicion, and he totally went for it. And he went for it in a big, huge monstrous way and and what he ended up doing was he acted on this and he took these guys out and he humiliated David's men the first thing uh, that sticks out to me when I read this story is that he cut the robes off okay he cut the robes off some translations say the waist Uh, the NIV puts in at the buttocks just so that we understand what it means when you cut the robes off of somebody right here is that they're naked from the waist down and when you've got those robes there's just like no way to cover that up and so these guys get kicked out of um, the the capital city here naked I mean how embarrassing is that I mean for all of you that ever had that horrible dream of waking up in class naked in front of everyone and you woke up sweating, like that's the that's that fear realized. Imagine getting pantsed in the middle of gym class in front of all the girls and boys of your high school. Like it's this embarrassing thing. And so when I read that, I was like, that's too far. Like I don't care if they're spies, man. That's not cool. But the bigger offense here, believe it or not, is not the cutting off of the robe. It was actually the beard. Um, in that society to have your beard shaved off by someone else, forcibly have your beard removed, that was an incredible insult. And he did it in the most insulting way. He trimmed off half of the beard so that people could still see, you're a grown man, and somebody got the better of you. 
You're a grown man and somebody overpowered you and, and did this to you. You got whooped up on. And that's why they're too scared to go home. They're embarrassed to go home. And then David says, go to Jericho. You stay out of town. You stay away from your family and friends until your beard grows back so that you don't have to face that humiliation around the people that you know and love. And so they embarrass these people and they humiliate these people because they see something that's not even there. Because they see a fight where there is no fight to be had. But that's why there's a real danger. The reason why you should beware the voice who always sees a problem in every situation. The reason why you need to be careful when these people speak into your life is because they will usually find what they are looking for. Have you ever noticed people who kind of look for fights tend to find fights? People who, who always feel somebody's being offensive to them, they will usually find something to be offended about. They find what they're looking for. And these people thought they saw a fight, and by golly, did they ever get one. Because you see, the thing about David is that David was an incredible, incredible warrior. Um, in the overwhelming majority of the time, David took Israel out to a battle. They won. Because God was on their side, and David was just really skilled at what he did. Now, he wasn't somebody who was bloodthirsty. David wasn't looking for a fight. In fact, most of the time you read the story of David, he was a just king. He did what was right by the people under him. He was fair in, in, in his rulings. But if somebody picked a fight with him, he was the kind of guy that would finish it. And, and they humiliated his, his men, and by default, they humiliated him. He tried to do a kind gesture, and they spit in his face. And David sends an army, and they don't even stand a chance. And the battle lasts for a while, just because of little stray things happening here and there. But David wins. And, and you go a little bit later into the next chapter, Chronicles chapter 20. And in verse 2, it says this, David took the crown from the head of their king. Meaning after the battle was over, they marched right into the city and David face to face with this king who just spat on his kind gesture. He took the crown off his head and its weight was found to be a talent of gold and it was set with precious stones and it was placed on David's head. And that's all this saying. David's like, I was trying to do a kind thing for you. I wasn't trying to take your land. I wasn't trying to overthrow you, but you thought I was. And you brought this about, and you brought your worst fear on you by seeing something that was not there, by listening to people who were not guided by truth, but were guided by suspicion and offense and fear. And David took a great quantity of plunder from the city and brought out the people who were there, consigning them to labor with saws and with iron picks and axes. David did this to all the Ammonite towns, meaning the Ammonites really aren't a thing anymore. They're slaves now to the nation of Israel. He totally defeated the entire nation. And what's a little bit funny, I'm not going to get into it too much, but the Ammonites weren't strong enough to beat Israel. And so when they really figured out, oh no, we really made David mad, they, they hired a bunch of other nations to kind of come in and help them. And, and David and Israel, they beat all of them so bad, the other nations are like, all right, guys, we're never going to go help them anymore. Like, they just got us into trouble. They just got us a whooping. We're never going to go help them again. And so David totally flattened this nation. And then it says, and David and his entire army returns to Jerusalem. So David tries to do something nice, and they won't let it be. They saw a problem where there was no problem. And his poor advisors led him to see a fight that 
wasn't ultimately there, and it caused them to get into the bigger fight than they ever could have feared and realized. And the irony is, everybody could have had peace, everybody could have thrived, and they brought about their own destruction because they had to see things a certain, certain way. And so you and I, we've got to choose carefully to whom we listen. And as we go through this series, I just want to impress that upon you, because you are listening to so many voices there are so many people that are speaking into your life, and a lot of them, you don't even think they're giving you advice. But we can be swayed by the hours of TV show that, excuse me, the hours of TV shows that we consume. We can be swayed by the ideas and the thoughts that are in all of the Netflix shows that we binge watch. By the way, it is, it's a little bit shameful how much of all of America's internet traffic is tied up in Netflix every evening. It's the majority of all the internet traffic in the country goes to Netflix in prime time because we're too busy watching show after show after show after show after show. And all of that stuff is just pouring into us something. It's pouring into us voices, opinions, and thoughts about certain things. And if we are not aware enough to place a filter there and to thoughtfully think about what we are listening to, we will be influenced whether we know it or not. We have all the voices now from every song we listen to on the radio. Man, I, it's amazing to me the songs I didn't used to have a problem with, and then I have kids, and I think about my kids hearing those same things. I'm not alone as parents. Right? There's that scary moment for all of you, us, when we have those toddlers, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't let my kids say that. Like half of the things I said, like just little things, like, like I'm like, darn it, like hearing darn it come out of a one-year-old's mouth makes me feel horrible. I don't know what it is. Like it's not, I don't, I don't think bad about anybody else for saying it, but it's like maybe, I, I don't know, there's just something that helped me see that maybe there's a certain leaning there of anger and, and uh, that maybe I don't want my kids to, to endure. But we are listening to these voices. We are listening to these people. We're listening to the voice of every gossipy friend who says, you know what I heard about such and such? Entertaining that stuff, that changes you. That works in your heart. We have voices from all the blog posts we read, from the articles that we have on Facebook, from all the rants that we get into the middle of on Facebook. Oh my gosh. I think we would, every one of us would be better off if Facebook didn't have a comment section. Every single one. Some of you, you just, I need to come to your house and just cut the cord on the back of your keyboard so that you can't, can stop typing. I'm not saying I read them all, but I just know in a crowd this size, there are some of us who need to just stop, stop, because we get into that stuff and we can't stop reading and we let all the anger and the hate pour into us and then we start retaliating back with our own little keyboard commando moments. There are voices speaking into us all the time and I don't know about you, but I don't want to be just shaped by whatever floats by my ears. I want to be shaped intentionally by the word of Christ. I want to be shaped intentionally by the wisdom and the knowledge of my heavenly father. And I can't let everybody speak into me because the overwhelming majority of voices out there are not going to be voices that lead me to greater godliness. They're not going to be voices that lead me to being more and more like Jesus Christ. They're voices that are going to drag me away from that slowly and subtly. And one of those voices are the people who always see drama, always see problems, always nudging me, wanting to, nudging me into a fight rather than helping me to step back and try to be someone who administers the peace of God. And so we've got to be careful about the topics that we listen to, the things that we let be spoken to our ears, the ears of our children, whether it's a topic about sexuality to what is truth to a whole host of other things, we have to be careful. And we tend to give way too much time and way too much energy 
and way too much space to voices that have nothing to say about God, that have nothing to say positive and, and leaning us in a positive direction for God. Most of the things we do, unfortunately, are just either worthless time watching mindless shows or there's something that's going to influence us in ways that we know that that's not God's will for us. I, I think the greatest voice that we need to lean on is the voice of God. And we've got to find the sources of the voice of God in our life. And one of the best sources I can encourage you about, and I say this all the time, is the Bible. I think Christians, we have such a gift of having the Word of God in our hands. And even, excuse me, the modern technology. We have the gift of having God's Word in our pocket, in our phone. You can read it in any translation in your pocket. You want to read it in Portuguese? You probably can on your phone. I don't know why you would. But you could, right? We have this gift of having God's word in our pocket. Joyce, for thousands of years, or hundreds of years, excuse me, people had to just take somebody else's word for it. The only voice they could get, the only way they could get God's word was through somebody else. Some of you, you got 10 copies of the Bible at home, and they're all covered with dust. So you got to go home, and you pick one up and go, and you crack it open. And you find God speaking to his people in there. Why would we throw away such a beautiful gift? Well, I got a show on Netflix I got to finish. Or I got too much other things to do. It's not because we don't have time. You make time for the things you care about. Oh, the Bible's too hard to read. Most things are hard when you start them. You get better at it through practice. When I became a Christian, I didn't know anything about the Bible. In fact, I, I went to Bible college not knowing anything about the Bible. I was in class one day for a, an Old Testament class, and the teacher actually said, as we were going through the Old Testament history, he said, everybody knows about Daniel and the lion's den, so we'll skip that part. And I went, uh, who's Daniel? And something about a lion's? And like, I had, I had no clue, and he was like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll go back over that part then. And, I was the, and everyone looked at me like, how do you not know who Daniel and the lion's den is? It's like, I'm new with this. I haven't done this for a long time. But, but the more we open it, the more we lean in on finding God as our voice, leaning, leaning into God as the main voice every day, little snippets even. You don't have to read the whole thing in one sitting. Divide it up. Find a reading plan, something. If you need help reading the Bible, come to me. I would love to get you started reading the Bible. I'll tell you one thing, though, just because I can. Don't start in Genesis and think you're going to make it all the way through. That is the worst mistake people make when they start reading the Bible. Genesis is fun, Exodus is okay, and you will not make it through Leviticus. And if by some miracle's chance you do, there's numbers there right behind it, and it will surely stop you. you got to start in other places. Please come see me. I would love to help you. But, but, but we've got a base. We've got to give ourselves a baseline to, to figure out who to listen to and who not to, and that is in God's Word. That is the place where we must come back to again and again and again. And so as we continue through this series, and we're going to look at a few other examples of voices, I just want to encourage you, always come back to God's word. Always come back to the truth of our creator. And, and there will be people in your life who speak that truth to you over and again to your good fortune. But there are a million other voices trying to drag you away, and we have got to be careful. So choose carefully to whom you listen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you that we have an unbelievable access to your word day in and day out. And I pray that we would stop taking that for granted because the overwhelming majority of us here know we ought to read the Bible more. We know that we, we have it on our phones. We know we have it uh, on our nightstands and we just get too busy and we get too hectic and there's just a million reasons why we don't. And rather than being overcome with guilt, I pray that we would just realize this is a gift and you are here 
and, and you have, we have your words and your guidance and your truth right there on our nightstand, right there on our purses and in our pockets, and that we can turn to you, and we can grow in our knowledge of what pleases you and how you would have us live our lives. We can grow in our ability to live like Jesus. So help us to do that. And for those of us in the room who, who find the Bible difficult, I pray that you would give them endurance and perseverance to keep plugging away because we just get better with practice. The more we grasp the story of Scripture, the more it tends to make sense. And I pray, Father, that we can be people who know which voices to listen to, that we can have discernment to know that we need to listen to your word day in and day out and that we, lead, that we would have the, the discernment to know when someone is speaking in a manner that's going to be a blessing to us, and we also are aware of when people are speaking and it's going to be a curse if we allow their, their words to have weight in our lives. So free us from the bad voices that we've been listening to and tune our ears in to those that speak your truth. We pray this in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen.